Okay, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Andy. Uh, I volunteer um, with the teenage uh, youth work at the church. So I work with Jared, who's just gone out to try and make some noise in that den area there. And also on the, uh, on the Tuesday night with the life groups. If you turn around and all of you teenagers, can you just give a little wave and embarrass them? They're never this quiet on a Tuesday, but look at them now. Wave, probably hands in the air, please. Everyone turn around and look at them. Everyone look at them, <laughs> stare at them. Make them feel comfortable and welcome by staring at them. It'd be great. So... Uh, I want to really champion um, our teenagers to you as a church. I think we're really privileged to have lots of teenagers who come to this church, either at this service or the next service or on a Tuesday night or on a Friday evening. We are really privileged to have a wonderful group of teenagers. And I want to implore you as I stand here this morning, not to speak about this, but I'll give it a plug anyway, is to really pray for them. Pray for them in your life groups. Pray for them every morning. Because it's really hard being a teenager and being a teenager who is a Christian in a world that doesn't accept Christians. So pray for protection over them. Give thanks for them. I shared something similar last year and I said, look, go and speak to them after the service and say how much you value and love them. And do you know what they said to me on the Tuesday night? No one spoke to them. So I want to say, not ah, I'm not sure it was that, but I wasn't that upset by it. But I would say... I would say, go and speak to them after the service and encourage them, because they have a really important part to play in this church and the future generation of this church. I've written down a list of the things that these young people are. I don't like to compliment them when they're here, so if they could please cover their ears, that'd be much appreciated. We have talented artists, musicians, actors, photographers, cinematographers, engineers, intellectuals, and academics. Believe me, there's a lot of comedians there as well. But they are a really gifted, anointed group. And pray for them and for their giftings and their anointings, and we would be blessed by them as a church. Amen? Amen. You can uncover your ears now, teenagers, and pretend you're listening for the next 10 minutes. Right. Turn with me to Malachi 4. Malachi 4. We're going to read the whole chapter. Fortunately, it's a short one. Unfortunately, there's a lot of very difficult things in here, so we're going to be here for a little while. Pat joked, you could preach on Leviticus, and I said, you know what, maybe it'd be easier. Um, uh, Malachi 4, um, starting from verse 1. Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings." And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day the Lord does these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Gulp. Really tough when you get this type of passage, isn't it? Really tough. Why can't I have the good shepherd? I would have traded tithing with you. That's how bad it was. (laughs) But do you know what? This is God's truth. This is God's truth. 
and I'm not going to shy away from it or pretend it's not there or gloss over it and get to the bits that are nice for us. And so I'm not going to apologize this morning that it might be a bit heavy. And I struggled this week because I wanted to put a funny story in or a bit of comedy to make it light-hearted. And there's nothing in there. You're thinking, Andy, so far it's been pretty funny. You've set a very good standard. It's all downhill from here, I'm afraid. But in all seriousness, it's with a heavy heart I come this morning. But it's also with truth. And I want to say to anyone who feels challenged by it this morning that, that please come and speak to me or Pat or somebody with an orange ribbon afterwards to speak about it. Because this is God's truth that he wants to reveal to us. And this is as important when we speak about judgment, about the coming of Christ, as it is when we speak about the light and salvation. And these two things are intertwined, but we do need to grapple with this topic this morning because judgment is coming. In verse 1 when I read that, we can't shy away from it. God is holy and he will judge this earth. And it's hard because we live in a world that says, nobody can judge me. I live according to my own standards. And as long as I don't hurt anybody else, then that's fine. And don't judge me. I'll do what I think is right. I want to say, if anybody thinks that this morning, that I don't believe that's true. Because God made this earth. And God made everything in this earth. He made you and he made me. And he will judge this earth because he is a holy God. He is a holy God. He is a perfect God who wants a relationship with us. Who made us because he loved us. Jesus spoke about this himself in Matthew 25 when he spoke about a shepherd separating the sheep and the goats. And this is what it says in that passage. It says, there will be those that Jesus will say, come, you are blessed Be with my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of this earth. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That Jesus himself will say, come, come, you are blessed by my Father. Take hold of that inheritance. That is a a promise to each and every one of us. That we have something to take hold of that will be given to us by Jesus. If you don't know that truth this morning, there is certainty in Jesus Christ and the promises he makes to us. Because you will be told, if you accept Jesus, you will be told, take the inheritance. This is the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Isn't that wonderful how intentional Jesus' relationship with us is? That since the beginning of the world, not just since you were born or a twinkle in in your father's eye, or not a twinkle as some of us might have been, but that Jesus had a plan to save you. To save you. And don't take that as the collective you, for you. Put your name in there. From the creation of this earth, Jesus' plan was to save you. To others, there will be judgment, and we cannot escape that. And it says they will depart from the glory of God. And that is a truth of the gospel. And it hurts me to have to present that. And it should hurt us as Christians to know that there will be some who will not accept Jesus. And there is a consequence for not doing that. 
I don't say that with joy, I say that with sadness. And we have a God who doesn't want that to happen. But if we choose not to accept Jesus, it says the righteous will depart to eternal life, but the others will go to punishment. And that's hard to say. But that's the truth of the gospel, is that we need to be saved. We need to be saved. This is not best practice. This is fundamental truth that we need to be obedient to. And I've struggled this week to share this message. It's hard to say those words, isn't it? Because we will all have friends and family who don't know Jesus. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I pray you would hear these words. I don't care about the rest of the sermon. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know with absolute certainty where you will go on that final day, then I implore you that you come here at the end of the service and you become a Christian. It will change your life forever. And you can cling on to that promise that says, the kingdom is yours. And you can know that from the very first day of creation that you were planned and that Jesus wanted you to come to him. This isn't a note to say, we're all doomed, we're all doomed. There was some comedy, see. There isn't despair in this gospel message. There is salvation and there is hope because of Jesus, because he died, because he took the judgment of the earth upon himself. The price was paid by Jesus for you. And God's plan was that you would be saved because of the grace that is freely given to us in Jesus Christ. The Bible is clear that if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are saved for all eternity and the kingdom is yours. Amen? Amen. Something else that struck me from this passage was where it said, we need to revere the name of God. We need to revere the name of God. It's a big word, revere, isn't it? What does it mean? And it means respect it, to see it with awe, to honor it. The name of God, the holy name of God. Do we revere, do we respect, do we honor, do we have awe for the name of God? The name of God. I don't think our society does. It grates me when I hear somebody speak the name of Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, who is my Savior, who is my God, when it's taken in vain. It's hard, isn't it? You can say that word before the watershed. It's just an expression, isn't it? It's an exclamation to make something a bit more dramatic. And our society has stripped this word, but they cannot take the power from the name of God. And if we revere this name of God, there is a promise, and it says, and this is the passage that John shared in the email that came out on Friday. It said, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Someone in the den we prayed before the service spoke about a Caribbean beach. 
I don't think they were going on holiday there yet, but they, would, they, would, they shared an image about how wonderful it is and how God, the, the grains of sand and how God knows all who we are individually. Think about that beach and think about how beautiful it is with the sun on that beach. Who needs a bit of that from God? I don't think we're going to go to the Caribbean for our next weekend away, but I do think this is that if you revere the name of God, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. God is a great God. And do we really know him? Even for those of us that have been Christians for a long time, do we really know the name of God? Do we really revere it? There is real power in God's name. There was a time when I was reading my Bible, this is uh, probably about uh, 10 or 12 years ago, and I wanted to write down names of God. So I read the Bible uh, with the intention of trying to find every letter would be able to have a name of God. And I want to show you this piece of paper I've had in the back. It, it's really scruffy, and that's it. So I've missed some out. I still couldn't find any for, what, for X and Q. So if anyone here has got a name of God for that, then please do tell me. But these are some of the names of God that are from his word that tell us about who he is. He is the Abba Father. He is Almighty. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. He is the first and the last. He is the Almighty One. He is the Ancient of Days. Amen? He is the Creator, the Christ, the Crucified One. He is the Deliverer. He is our Defender. He is our Defender. He is divine. He is exalted. He's an encourager. He is eternal. He is our ever-present help. That means he's with you always to help you. He is our fortress, the fountain of life. He is the glorious one. He's the giver of joy, our guide, the good shepherd. He is holy. He is a healer. He is Jehovah. He is the judge. He's the king of kings, the king of glory, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Lord of lords. He is the light of the world. He is the living God. He is not dead. He is living. He's the most high, majestic, mighty. He is marvelous. He's the one and only. He is all-powerful. He is my portion forever. He's the risen Lord. He is our rock. He is my redeemer. He's the refiner. He's our shield. He is our strength. He's the sovereign Lord. He's our stronghold. He's our support. He is our sustainer, which means when you can't keep going, he keeps going, which means when you struggle, he does not struggle. It means when you are weak, he is strong. He is our sustainer. He is true in a world where it's lacking in truth and is full of lies and deception and hollow promises. He is true. He is a teacher. He is victorious. He is worthy of praise. He is Yahweh. He is Zion's king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's just a snapshot of who God is and what his name means. And there is power in that name. Sometimes I find you just speak the name of Jesus and I can feel power rising within me. If I start to feel anxious or afraid, just speaking that name of Jesus out loud gives it real power. Do you know that? To overcome anything. Anything. If you are struggling in any situation, when you sit at your desk at work, when you're at home with the kids, when you're away from your family, when you are alone, speak the name of Jesus. Remember some of those names that are given to God. Speak them out loud and you will see the power in that name. 
And that's why we revere it, because it is full of power. Romans 10, verse 13, this is the power of the name of the Lord. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Just by calling on his name, you can be saved. Isn't that an amazing promise? If you've never done that this morning, call on his name. It's as simple as that. Call on his name and receive the kingdom. Remember the law of my servant Moses. Malachi 4, verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses. Do we remember the Ten Commandments? Oh, Andy, we don't need to remember those. We've got Jesus. And I agree with that. I do agree with that. To an extent. Because I also know that Jesus affirmed the Ten Commandments. And when he was asked about them, he didn't say, oh, just forget those now. He affirmed them. And you're all now saying, Andy, you've lost me now. This is typical Christianity with your set of rules, and you must do this, and you must do that, and this is all a bit health and safety, isn't it? No, you can't, you can't do that. Don't do that. They're going to cut the fun out of things. That's not the purpose of the Ten Commandments. Because these are instructions to get the best out of life. They don't save you. Jesus Christ and calling on his name saves you. But they are the best instructions to get the best out of your life with God and your relationships with other people. There is power in the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me because Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Jesus is the only way. No other gods before me. No compromises on this. For those of us that are saved, do not compromise on this. Do not make an idol of anything in heaven or above or earth below. Do not idolize things. Do you know why? Because they're all empty and they will all disappoint. Everything else apart from God, if we place value in those things, will eventually disappoint or let us down. But not with God. One of my favorite passages, Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved, for I am God and there is no other. Look unto me and be ye saved, for I am God and there is no other. There is nothing else. There's no point looking elsewhere. Look to Jesus. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. I've just spoken about revering God's name. That's so important. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All I'm going to say about this command is pretty good. And I want to encourage the teenagers here. Thank you for resting so well and laying in. And you can tell your parents next time they try and kick you out of bed at half past 11 in the morning, say, I am resting because even God rested. <laughs> what a wonderful practical command. You know, we hear about things about work-life balance and, uh, and making sure that, that people rest and switch off. The Bible spoke about it a long time ago. You need to rest. Is that a really difficult command to follow? I don't think it is, but we need to listen. Even God rested. Even you need to rest. Honor your father and mother. So when you do get kicked out of bed at half past 11 in the morning, you've got to do it gracefully. This can be tough, this one, because I'm aware that there will be people who don't have a father or mother that they know or have a broken relationship with their father or mother or where their father and mother 
didn't fulfill the roles that were given to them to do. I could do a series on that in itself. But I want to say that God is the good father. He is a great father who will not let you down. And if you struggle with this command, then I say pray through it because God will overcome any damaged relationships that you have and he will restore you. He will sustain you. That's his name. The next three, harm ourselves and the other people around us and should be fairly straightforward. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. These things harm and burn not just ourselves but other people. Do not give false testimony. Lies. They impact us. They rot us inside. And they also harm other people around us. Lies can only hurt people. Lies will only hurt people. And God is a God of truth. I said his name earlier that God is true. He is a God of truth. And where there is truth and love, this is the result. Justice, fairness, freedom and equality. Do not cover anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, I remember this from being a young boy, this passage. This spoke to me very powerfully. Because it was the one chance I could say to my mum, I could say the word ass. Yeah? Do not cover your neighbor's ass. Yeah? It's in the Bible, mum. Try and tell me off for saying that word now. There's a better word in the King James, which I will share with anyone afterwards who wants to have a laugh as well. But this is really important. Do not cover anything that belongs to your neighbor. Envy rots the bones, we're told in Proverbs. Count your blessings, not those of the people around you. Okay? Jesus summed up these commandments really, really well in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then love, the Lord, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Andy, rather than speaking about the ten, just speak about the two. But actually, I think we need to remember the ten as well. Be careful to do everything written in God's book. That's what God said to Joshua when he took over leading the Israelite people. He said to him this in Joshua 1 verse 7, Obey the law. Do not turn to the left or to the right. Be careful to do everything written within it. Why? Because God wanted to uber-control Joshua? No, because he wanted them to get the best out of what was going to happen. But deeds can't save us. I shared that earlier. Luke 18, 18, the rich man who wanted to follow Jesus said to him, what do I need to do to go to heaven? What a wonderful question that is. What do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus said, you know the commands. And the man was thinking, yes. He said, I've done all those since I was a boy. Thank you very much, Jesus. I'll have my badge now. And then Jesus said, you lack one thing. He said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And the man was then very sad because he was very rich. And the point of that story to me is this, is that we need faith to obey as well. To willingly obey with a joyful heart that says, when we hear the word of God, when Jesus speaks to us, we step out in faith and we follow. Anyone this morning that needs to step out in faith, be nudged this morning by that that when you hear Jesus call upon you and knock at that door, that you will answer and be faithful to follow because we are saved by faith. We need to choose faith and willingly obey the commands that God's given to us. God is not an unfair God this morning. Know that. 
God is not an unfair God. When we hear about judgment, you might think, that's just wrong. I, I can't believe in a God that's going to judge us. But you know what? God is a fair God, and he says in Malachi 4, verse 5, he says, a prophet will come before judgment. A prophet is someone who will speak the word of God before it happens, to warn the people. And that prophet was John the Baptist. And he didn't come to speak about the tiny little baby Jesus. Oh, the, the little baby Jesus is going to come, and he's going to have little dimples, and he'll, he'll, be, he'll be in a manger. Oh, he'll be so lovely. That wasn't John's message. John didn't come to say, there'll be Jesus, and he'll have a lovely tan and a neat beard, and he'll be so lovely, and you're all going to just love him. He's going to be fantastic. And I've got a video on my, on my early iPhone to show you how happy he is, and it was with his mum Mary and his dad Joseph. Isn't he lovely? He's going to come, and he's, gonna, he's just going to be great. You're going to love him. Do you know what John the Baptist's preaching was? And it's this. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He came to say, repent, be sorry. Because you need to be saved. He spoke about those who concealed the truth and he said, the axe is at the foot of the tree. We need to be saved. And I will end as I started to say this. If you are not saved, if you don't know if you are saved, now is the day. Today is the day to take that step. We all need to be saved. We all need to be saved. And we have to trust God this morning. I love Jonah. I love Jonah. And not just because I love sushi. But I love Jonah. Because I think about that sermon he preached of just eight words. And I share this often when I talk. Eight words. And I keep thinking, if God said to me, Andy, I'm going to send you somewhere where nobody believes and there are wicked people. I would say, right, God, what we'll talk about is this. We'll talk about how you parted the Red Sea. That's a good story. We'll say that one. Samson, with his long hair, he was strong. He looked good, fought a lion. We'll share that story. And God will go with those two stories about how you're a patient God, a God of love, and that'll be the magic formula. But God didn't preach that sermon through Jonah. God preached this, and it said, 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Are you sure that's the one you want to go with, God? Not Samson or the Red Sea bit? That whole kingdom turned to God. The whole kingdom turned to God. As Jonah was assigned to Nineveh, so is Jesus Christ to us. And he points to that cross, Jesus. And he says, I have come. I have died. I have taken the judgment, the sins of the world upon myself. And I have risen again to conquer the power of death, to overcome it, that we can believe and be saved. Call upon the name of Jesus and be ye saved. So we invite the band up uh, for a few songs. Just bow your heads as we just reflect upon some of these words. Father God, I thank you for your word. And Lord, it is challenging. Father God, I pray you would take away any of my words that are not from you, Lord. And I pray for the words 
that are from you. I pray that people would know the authority and power through your Holy Spirit, that you love them, Father God, that you died for them. Be saved. Jesus died for you. Revere the name of God. May we turn back to you, Father God, and have awe and respect and honor for the name of God. May we have passion to follow the best that God has in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen.